The Business of Agriculture is brought to you by Land Trust. Have you heard how landowners are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use? Millions of outdoor recreators seek wide open spaces for bird watching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Landowners are partnering with the Recreation Access Network Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit landtrust.com/boa as in business of agriculture to learn more. That's landtrust.com/boa. Greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business of Agriculture podcast. Got a great episode for you today. I've got a very interesting guest. His name is Corbett Cool. He is the founder and CEO of Tillable. If you are in the business of agriculture, unless you live under a rock, if you pay attention at all, you've probably heard about Tillable. Tillable sometimes is a bit of a lightning rod because some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are squawking about it. There's a lot of untruths out there. I'm bringing on Corbett because first off, he's a great entrepreneurial story. And this is, after all, the Business of Agriculture podcast. More importantly, we'll talk about what's evolving in our business. You know, frankly, there's a lot of inefficiencies when it comes to land rent, uh, how farms are transacted. And sometimes, dare I say, there are situations where landowners are not necessarily given great information. They're sometimes being taken advantage of. Uh, You know, uh, the old stat that more than half of all the Iowa farmland is owned by single women, meaning widows, uh, there is this dearth of information, sometimes misinformation. I believe that companies like Tillable are going to fit into the future of the business of agriculture. So, Corbett Cool, thank you for being on the business of agriculture. Uh, Damien, thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Um, okay. So I gave you, I gave the introduction there. So now you're like, wait a minute, man, this guy's walking me into, this guy's walking me into some sort of a, a fire, a firing range here. Now I brought Sean and, and all full disclosure, a company that's got some similarity to you named cash rent or cash rent.com. So I might refer to it all. I had them on a little over a year ago in October of 2020, because I had seen what they were doing. And I said, you know, I think there's going to be something to this right now. If you are a landowner like me, you've got the neighbor down the road and then you got door knockers, you know, and everybody gets mad about that. Oh, I went around knocking on doors, trying to rent ground. And I said to the farmers that complain about that, I said, you know what I do? I have a website. I have social media. I have phone calls. I reach out to people every day to attempt to build my business. So why is it so wrong that one would go around trying to build their business by acquiring or renting more acres? That's where Tillable comes in. So Corbett, give me some scoop here. You um, you founded this company in 2017. Why? Well, you know, like all great things in life, it happened kind of by accident or by chance. Uh, a friend of mine inherited a farm from his grandmother, and he called me up out of the blue, uh, Damien, and he said, hey, Corbett, uh, my grandmother died. She left me this farm. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, great. What, what do you want me to do to help you out? And he's like, well, I'm not exactly sure if I'm getting fair market rent. I don't know if I have a good farm or a bad farm. I, um, I don't know if I have a great tenant. Uh, can you just help me out? And it was really through the process of talking to my friend, making a few phone calls uh, and helping him out that I, I'm like, huh, I wonder if there's a business here 
So I just started digging into it like all entrepreneurs do, right? And how big is the market? Oh, the, the rental market is about $32 billion a year. The rental what, farm, farm rent, farm rental is about $32 billion a year. $32 billion right now in the year 2021. Yep. Is going to change hands from a tenant farmer that needs acres to build his business or her business uh, to a landowner. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, that's what you're hearing. And by the way, that number is kind of dated. I think that came out in 2014. So, oh, well, then uh, my heavens. Yes, so we know that cash rent is going up. So it's hell, it could be pushing $40 billion by it, now. It very, it very well could be pushing uh, $40 billion. So if you look across the entire United States, uh, 40% of all farmland is rented. But we know in row crops, and let's say just here in the heart of the Midwest, over 50% of the land uh, is rented, right? So it's not, not owned by the farmer. The farmer uh, is renting it. So it's a, it's a big, it's a big uh, deal. Uh, it's a big part of the farm economy. And to be honest with you, Damien, I, I think it's part of the farm economy that's kind of under the radar, right? A lot of people don't know that much about the rental market, the dynamics. You know, you talked about the negativity towards guys that are doing door knocking and stuff. I'm kind of like you. I'm like, hey, if they're trying to grow their business, you know, knock yourself out. So, so anyway, that that's a little bit, uh, you know, about the market and kind of the why behind, uh, you know, I started the company. Yeah. So, and we always make this an educational uh, uh, thing, not just for ag people, because we've got all walks of ag industry folks that listen to this. And then many of them share it with others so they can understand about the industry of food, fuel, and fiber. Good friend of mine from uh, Purdue is a, a resident of the suburbs of Chicago, and he listens to this. So uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that, like you said, in places like here where I am in the Midwest, you're from Illinois, um, these acres have good value. We get good precipitation and uh, it is an asset. Um, you, one might call me an investor. I, I don't operate all the acres on my property. I rent it out to a, to a, a, a tenant. I mean, a, a dairy farmer that needs my acres to grow corn and uh, alfalfa on for forage to feed his cows. So anyway, it's, as you said, it's an industry and it is an investment. And then the other part of it is because I was raised on a farm and I'm very near and dear to this. Like I said, um, what a lot of people are saying, what are you talking about, Damien? Door knockers and all this thing. Well, the reality is if you have a strip mall and um, you, it's in your investment, you're going to put up a sign that says vacancy. Uh, you know, and then you hope that Hobby Lobby moves in or whatever the, the place should be, um, you know, the barber shop or whatever. And you also can use brokers to get that done. In land, farmland, there are brokers, there are farm management companies, there are realtors that specialize in farmland, but there's a lot of stuff that's held, as you say. Uh, you, you know, the widow in Iowa or the Damien Masons, we hold this asset and we could find someone that would manage it, but also we have an existing relationship. There have been different tenants on my farm in my tenure of owning it. Um, and I had no problem finding it because I'm pretty out here, but there's other people that are like, I don't know. I, I don't know. So you saw this thing when your buddy inherited some land. Once you were in charge, you probably got people banging on your door saying, Hey, we'll operate that. We'll rent that. We'll put that in our, in our operation. Is that what happened? Yeah. And you know, I, I think the other dynamic, uh, that is happening today, Damien is, you know, go back, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago, right. Uh, a guy might be farming 200 acres, 250 acres, 
in a relatively concentrated area, right? Like sure. this uh, two or three mile radius, which you could do a couple hundred acres, two to three miles, pretty easy. But if you fast forward to today, even a, let's not a massive farmer, let's say a 2000 acre farmer. So just a good solid sized farmer, you know, able to, you know, feed his family off of the, the income of that farm. He may be traveling 20, 30, 40 miles to find enough land to rent, right? right. So, you know, I go back to uh, when I grew up in Southern Illinois, everybody in the small town, you know, kind of knew me, knew my last name, and I knew most people, right? Town of 5,000 people. If I go up to the edge of the county that I lived in, I knew a lot fewer people. Mm -hmm. If I go to one county to the north, a lot fewer. If I go two counties north, I knew no one, right? right? And so when you think about it, farmers are needing to roam further and further. Their farming operations are getting larger. Today, a 2,000 acre farmer is not that big, but that 2,000 acre farmer may be uh, farming a radius of 20 or 30 miles. Obviously, the farmer knows his neighbors, but he, he may not know people 20 miles away. So how do we help farmers, I'll call it, increase their discoverability? Like, how do, how do people even know that there's a, a, a farmer that might want to rent the land? So traditionally, what was done is you ask friends, you ask family, you ask the local coffee shop, right? You go to the local co cafe Hey, you know, I got this farm. Does somebody want to rent it? And somebody stands up, yeah, I'll rent that farm off of you. But, you know, in today's world, there are also a lot of remote landowners, you know, guys living in Chicago that own a farm in Southern Illinois, uh, people in uh, New York City that might own a uh, farm in Iowa. How are they supposed to find a great tenant? Mm -hmm. So that side of the equation. And then the farmer that's looking for more land to farm, how is he supposed to identify those remote landowners, right? It, the tax bill probably goes to a PO box or something, right? And uh, Or it's held in some LLC or something. So I think there's a, there's a discoverability issue on both sides, right? Landowners need to be able to discover great farmers. What a great thing. Let's help farmers become more discoverable, right? And then... Uh, Farmers need to uh, need to find uh, landowners, right? Landowners that they can virtually door knock, right? So, how do we make that happen? That's really why we uh, why we started uh, Tillable. And uh, so, when we put a farm out for rent, so when a landowner comes to us and says, "Hey, I've got this farm. I don't have a tenant," we get on average uh, about fifteen farmers interested in a farm. And, and if the landowner wants, we can assist them in uh, looking at that list of growers and uh, trying to identify who the grower, who the best grower for this farm might be. Uh, so that's, uh, that's really kind of core to the platform, kind of matchmaking between a landowner and a farmer, really helping a farmer find more land to farm. You know, why is that important? Farmers are getting larger, right? Right. Our, Farmers need to farm more land today than they did 40 years ago to be able to, you know, feed their family and make a make an honest living out of it. So it's the the 2000 acre farmer today is going to need to be, you know, four or five, six thousand acres uh, tomorrow. How are they going to establish those relationships with landowners? I, in my opinion, the best way to do it is via a platform like Tillable.
Yeah. So you created this tillable and, um, you know, you need two things. Uh, I always try to make things very simple. You need <laughs> an acre of land uh, and you need somebody that wants to rent or buy that acre of land. So you started off on the rent and now you've moved into buy and now you're moving into finance. So kind of take me through the transition here, what Tillable did, does, and wants to do. Sure. So where we started out, what we did was just digital farm management, right? So a platform for connecting landowners and farmers, data, et cetera, just to help landowners make good decisions, help farmers communicate with their landowners. Okay. Now on that front right there, let's say I go, Hey man, I got these couple hundred tillable acres right here. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I want them to go to, and by the way, when I say tillable to the person that's really not familiar with this, that means the acres that are under cultivation, meaning not your acres of woods or waterways. So I've got these acres that are, um, uh, available and then, you find me this person. Well, you don't, your platform does, uh, you know, guy down the road, next County over wherever says, I want those acres, Damien. Good. Now, do you facilitate, is there a contract that comes from you? Uh, what about the fertility? How do I know that he's getting the right government programs handled? What happens there? Is that all just between them? You're just nothing more than a matchmaker. And it's like, Hey, you know what? We're match.com. You guys now start sleeping together, do whatever you want to do. We're out. So, um, we have uh, an example lease. You like side. being compared to Match.com. First off, Corvette, did you like being compared to Match.com? And I referenced people sleeping together. And this is a business of agriculture podcast. I didn't get anything. I didn't get any reaction. I know you're an electrical engineer by trade, but for God's sakes, live a little here, brother. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Here's why. Do you know how many people are finding their spouses, their fiancés, their significant others via digital platforms? It's a lot. It, you know, back when I was a kid, it was very unusual, right? You to have something happen via electronic uh, mechanism like that. Today, it happens all the time. So I'm not offended by it. You know, I think Match.com serves a purpose, right? And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of happy and and uh, happy families that have uh, come out of uh, that platform. And I think there can be a lot of happy relationships that come out of uh, Tillable as well. I agree with you. So it was, it was, it, it, the question was then about what happens now is Tillable got a role in the management of, of the daily, of the, of the daily monthly and seasonal practices. Are you going to make sure that, that there's a contract? Um, and then if I don't get paid, what happens? Um, there's the aspect of fertility and practices. Are you involved in those things? Yeah. So if, uh, if a landowner wants our help, right, like uh, we can help them. If a landowner is like, Hey, I got it. I just want, I just want to use your platform for electronic leases, electronic payments and, and all that stuff. I'll do it myself. That's fine. But if a landowner wants help in, um, uh, getting getting offers on their farms, uh, getting fair market rents, uh, choosing the farmer, and then monitoring uh, the uh, agronomic practices on the farm, like just making sure that the fertility is being kept up, you know, the yields look reasonable, soil testing is taking place, um, the, the landowner's wishes around, do they want no-till, strip-till, cover crops, whatever, we can assist uh, in all of that. And, you know, you could call it kind of lightweight 
you know, farm management if you want to. So it's, we have the platform that can do electronic leases, electronic payments, capturing the activities on the farm. But if you want some assistance, we have a farm ops team, a farm operations team that, you know, boots on the ground, can go out to the farm, visit the farm, talk to the farmer, help select a farmer. Uh, so really as much or as little assistance that a uh, landowner feels like they need, you know, tillable can, you know, uh, be flexible. Right. You started off just as a rent site and then uh, you moved into more stuff and then you're going to be moving into more stuff. So we did the did now let's do the do, and then we'll do the, it'll eventually do. Sure. Sure. So um, one of our large landowners came to us about a year ago and said, Hey, Corbett, can you help me sell a farm? And I'm like, eh, we're just a digital farm management platform. I don't know if we want to get into the brokerage business. And I, you know, I've talked to a lot of people out there, and for the longest time, I was like, I just want to do digital farm management. So finally, after this large landowner kind of repeatedly asked me, I said, okay, look, we'll run an experiment, right? We'll help you sell your farm and let's see how it goes. So we listed the farm and the farm sold like that. Like, 10 days, I think. And you listed, and, it was not an online auction. This was a, here's the price per acre and here's this place. Boom. Correct. We did not run an online uh, auction. You know, technically we could have, but we, we didn't. We, it was just a typical listing. Uh, we got the landowner, uh, what we consider to be a, a fair value per acre on the farm. He was happy you know, got the offer uh, offer and had a signed contract in uh, 10 days. So super happy there. It closed, I think, four weeks later. So relatively quick um, process. Yep. A lot of potential buyers of farms, local farmers, uh, local landowners, land investors were exposed to it in a relatively, you know, uh, uh, quick period or short period of time. So we, we gave, we proved that the far, the platform tillable could give great exposure to a farm that's for sale. And it was just an experiment and it worked. And then we're like, okay, well, I guess we'll keep doing it. Right. I mean, that when you start a company, you don't know what will work and what won't work. Right. I mean, that's just the reality of it, but we ran an experiment. We're like, okay, this is okay. And then we sold another farm and then another farm. And then, and, and now it's, it seems to be working. So we're, we're in the farm brokerage uh, business, predominantly focused on, you know, the heart of the Midwest uh, right now. And uh, we're adding, uh, you know, more, more brokers to the tillable team, you know, literally, you know, while, while, while we speak. So if there are folks out there listening who uh, think tillable is interesting and you're a broker or you're interested in farm real estate, hey, give us a call. I mean, maybe there's a good fit for you here. Yeah, we're going to get into more of that. Um, I want to remind our listeners right now of two things. First off, this is not just a podcast to listen to. Of course, we very much appreciate you doing that. 210 episodes and counting now for four and a half years. The business of agriculture is also uh, available as a video. You can see this, uh, this handsome man named Corbett Cool here sitting in his office. Actually, a very, very boring office. I mean, you'd think the founder's company would have like, you know, uh, pet monkeys and like cool art. It's, it's got like a, a farm calendar in the backdrop and that's it. <clears throat> but 
If you want to see videos of these recordings, go to Damian Mason channel, just the Damian Mason channel on YouTube. Just type in Damian Mason. It'll come up. Hit subscribe. It'll help me uh, get more people like you watching this stuff. I also want to remind you while you're bopping around the Internet, especially if you are a farmer, you're heading into winter, you're going to have a little more time. It's a good time to enhance your mind. Go to extremeag.farm. That's uh, six high-yielding, forward-thinking farmers that started Extreme Ag, and they've teamed up with me, or I've teamed up with them, as it were, to help them produce content, videos, audios, articles, things that you can use to apply to your farming operation. It's the Cutting the Curve podcast and various other things. You just go to Extreme Ag, that's X, not E, Extreme no e extreme ag dot farm and check out the good stuff we're doing over there that you can apply to your farming operation for greater yields and bigger profits. Okay. Did you have to bring in somebody that's a real estate broker? Did you have to go get a license? Did you, uh, you know, this whole thing of becoming the agent now? Yeah, we, um, fortunately one of our, uh, large landowners, uh, was a broker already. So, uh, he's our managing broker, uh, and then uh, we hired uh, a couple of other folks that are brokers as well. And uh, along the way, I also ended up getting my uh, real estate license in Illinois as well. So I've I've listed and uh, sold a few farms uh, already myself. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you have to so, be a licensed broker. Okay. So this is, you think, I mean, there's plenty of places. And I just read an article uh, last week that all of a sudden someplace in Iowa fetched twenty six thousand dollars an acre so it's like holy crap the floodgates are opening now everybody that was thinking about maybe unloading their farm real estate is that what's going to happen are we going to have a flood are we going to have an absolute flood of acres coming on in the next 90 days well it's uh obviously it's a pretty hot market right and uh you know commodities prices still are at a pretty good level right now as compared yep. to let's say 18 to 24 months ago so uh, land is still, you know, still trading at uh, pretty good, uh, pretty good levels uh, right now. I I think it's pulled back a little bit uh, from uh, from where it was at over the summer. Um, the the other thing that I think people are worried about is, hey, what's going to happen to capital gains tax? Yep. What's going to happen on uh, ten thirty one exchanges? Um, so and just overall, what the it seems like the tax uh, regime is going to change somewhat yeah. over the course of the next uh, 12 to 18 months. So I think people are concerned and, uh, you know, considering selling, plus you've got, you know, pretty good prices. You know, realize we were in a relatively flat market from, I don't know, what would you say, 2015 to 20, early 2020? Well, we saw some we saw some correction. I'd say that we were not quite flat. I'd say it, it, I, from my perspective, we lost about 25 percent. We had a huge run up on real estate, farm real estate. 2013 was the high water mark. I predicted 2012 was going to be, but it extended for one more year. But then again, land values tend to follow things just a little bit because there's money on the sidelines. So it was 2013. I think we started, started seeing, I would call it a 25 percent correction in my part of the world from about 2014 sliding into 15, 16. And then it was more, I'd say, like you said, stable um, right there until what, the last year? And now things, all hell has broken loose. Is that what you're going to say? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, look, the early days, the first 60, 90 days of the pandemic, uh, there was a lot of concern, right? And there was a genuine softness in the market, just as people were freaking out about what was happening with the stock market and, you know, will the credit markets lock up, et cetera. Uh, and then, um, you know, what, August, September of last year, commodities started uh, started taking off. Um, and then, uh, you know, just the, I think just the general sentiment around, uh, you know, agriculture has, you know, people seem to be paying more attention to it today uh, than, than what they were. Yeah, well, then everybody decided that they either they want their little place in the country so they can go and hide or they uh, they want to own something that's tangible. And I don't know. We say that. But then look at cryptocurrency. That's the furthest thing from tangible. I don't even know. I I don't even know what it is. Uh, but anyway, that's another story. Um, you are helping people transact rentals um, and purchases. Um when you step into a marketplace that you and I both agree was inefficient, or at least had had plenty of room for some uh, some improvements or some technological advancements, uh, it pissed people off. Agents, people that uh, make their living brokering farmland or getting in the middle of managing rentals, do they like you? Do they hate you? Do they use your service? Give me some scoop on that. Yeah, obviously, some of uh, some of the, uh, you know, ag professionals out there that uh, are doing, you know, farm management and brokerage, et cetera. You know, some of those folks are choosing to uh, to use uh, uh, tillable. But, uh, yeah, I, it's um, there are a lot of uh, longstanding relationships uh, between landowners and uh, and their tenants and their farmers. Uh, and uh, there are certain um certain norms, I guess you would call them. Hey, you're not allowed to do door knocking, et cetera. Uh, and, and really what we're trying to do is we're, we're trying to bring uh, data and transparency to a market. Said another way, we're trying to bring information to the market for the benefit of both the landowners and the farmers. Mm -hmm. so, so Mr. Landowner or Mrs. Landowner, um, or as I call them, Aunt Martha's, right? What is... Um, what is fair market value rent on your farm? Can we give you a little bit of information? Do you have a good farm or bad farm? Uh, do you have a uh, good soil quality farm or a bad soil quality farm? You know, how does your farm compare to the county average? Mm -hmm. What are county average rents? What are county average yields? Just basic information. On the farmer side, um, what farms might be available for rent or for sale uh, that otherwise you might not, not know? And, uh, you know, a funny thing is uh, I get called all the time by farmers who are like, hey, what do you think fair rent might be on this farm? Now, think about that for a second. Farmers call us up and say, hey, Corbett, what do you think fair rent is? And, and part of it is even the farmers are kind of like, well, I know I might be able to pay, you know, 275 So for their business, they could afford 275 an acre. But they don't know if that's fair or not. So, uh, again, it, it's kind of weird, but we get calls all the time. And, of yeah. course, we'll, we'll help the guys out and say, yeah, this is what this is what our data would suggest farms are renting for in that area. And really, at the end of the day, I think it's just all about fairness to the landowner, right? And also fairness to the, the grower or the farmer. It, it's not, we're not trying to get, 
max top dollar rent, like squeeze every last penny out of a farmer. That's not our goal. The reason why that's not our goal is that's not sustainable, right? That that grower would be a one and done, right? He'll farm it one year and then won't farm. It's just, it's really about fairness, but what's fair to the landowner, right? And what's fair uh, to the farmer. Now, you know, by the way, Corbett, Corbett, um, I've been in business for 28 years and I was in corporate before that. I've been in my own business for 20 years and people like to say the word fair. You know what? Fair is a place where you eat cotton candy and they award blue ribbons to pigs. The reality is uh, everybody's definition of fair in terms of transaction. But the point is there is such a thing called fair market value. You know, uh, if you want to find out what something's worth, put it on the market. Uh, and, and you'll know, I mean, there's, <laughs> if, if they, it's as simple as that. And so what we are talking about, and this is one of my gripes and I love farmers. I am a farm guy. These farmers that are paying, you know, a hundred dollars less than they should be, they're taking advantage of whoever their uh, owner is. And then when that gets plucked away from them, they say, Oh, someone came in here and screwed up the market. But I'm like, you weren't even close. We all know if you're renting a house in town or that, that square footage in the strip mall that I used as my example before, you sure as hell know. Walk down the street. Oh, it's $16 a square foot to rent this space. Boom. That's the market. These, these people that think they're somehow getting away with something, well, it's, they are. And when it, and when it changes, uh, it's like shame on you uh, kind of thing. So I agree with you about the information you are doing that. Um, do farmers complain? You've got farmers that call up and want you use your service. You've got them that want to know your stuff. Do you also, you had a couple of people that uh, maybe they got their feathers ruffled, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, um, uh, we've ruffled some feathers as, uh, as you've said, you know, obviously earlier in 2020, right before the start of the pandemic, uh, there was a little bit of a, I refer to it as a Twitter, uh, blow up. Uh, largely uh, misinformation and kind of uh, not not really characterizing the situation, you know, correctly. Uh, and um, it uh, it was definitely a learning experience, you know, for us. I mean, we were, uh, you know, aggressively out there, you know, marketing uh, our hassle-free lease product uh, that ruffled some feathers. We've I guess I would say kind of turn the volume down on that product and we're, we're not really selling that product anymore. We're just doing basically uh, digital farm management, but yeah. Well, you're I mean, not just doing that. You're not just doing that. You're also now, you've already uh, decided that you're, you, you're going to help the farmers get land available, or you're going to help the landowners get uh, a new operator or an operator is paying market price. You know, if you stop using the word fair and just say market price, because that's what we're talking about. You know, if I go to sell my house in Arizona, I'm not talking about what's fair. I just put the damn thing on the market for market price. I'll pull the comps and it'll be very obvious. This is many dollars per square foot in my zip code. Boomity, 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 you know, this. But you also decide now you're going to replace the bank. So now every ag banker is going to hate Corbett Cool. Uh, and I mean, they're going to call me and say, you brought that son of a bitch on your podcast. He's trying to put me out of a job. He's trying to get in the banking business. I saw a press release that says that you are teaming up with Compeer Financial. I think that's uh, one of the parents of farm credit, if I'm not mistaken, or is uh, involved there. And you're going to start loaning money on farm ground. Give me the scoop. Yeah. So uh, again, came out of personal experience. Uh, 
I was uh, going through the process of purchasing a farm uh, for myself. Personally, okay. Personally. And I'm like, okay, well, I need to borrow some money, like so many other people, to buy the farm. And, uh, you know, I just started going through the the lending process, filling out, you know, kind of uh, paper and pen applications. A lot of the questions didn't really apply to me. And, uh, you know, some people, some of the lending institutions I went to took two days, some took two weeks, and some took a couple of months to get back to me. And I'm like, hmm, that's kind of, that's kind of messed up. Uh, And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And we had, uh, we had started working with Compere. They're kind of, they're pretty forward leaning on technology. And uh, just started talking to them about creating a, a digital, um, you know, online application for applying for a farm loan. And, um, you know, we started working on it and we launched it a few weeks ago. So that process that took two days, two weeks, two months, now you can fill out an application online uh, digitally uh, via Tillable and uh, get approved in um uh, as fast as like uh, five to 10 minutes. So I timed myself going through the application. I was able to fill it out and get approval uh, in uh, in a little over four minutes. So well, you're the founder of the company. So of course, but what about some poor schmuck like me? You know, I'm out here, self-employed guy. Uh, you know, I, I get a note from my mom to get a loan. Can I get money on my phone through Tillable at your joint venture with Compeer in four minutes? Are you going to go ahead and string me out too? No, no, you should be able to get it done very quickly. You're going to send um, me back a message. You're send me back a message saying you're screwed. Uh, you know, the world needs ditch diggers too, right? <laughs> uh, no, we don't. We would never talk to our customers that way. But, uh, but yes, even even a schmuck like you could fill it out in just a few minutes and get approved uh, for a loan. Do we have um, do we have too much? Do we have too many bankers? You know, because I'm not being mean. Um, we we know that money's the a dollar is the purest commodity. I mean, it's it's a more it's a more definable commodity than number two yellow U.S. corn. I mean, it is it's a dollar. And when I bought my first property in 1996, I remember I had to jump through hoops and get notes from my mom and you know just about everything. Well, and finally, at some point, you realize, hell, there's money everywhere. Um, do we have too many bankers? I mean, do, do we do we and I'm not being mean, but do we just does this get to where we do this all on our phones? And it's as simple as that. I, you know, I think I think so. I mean, I, obviously, there it's a large purchase. Right. And I think there is a certain comfort in being yeah. able to pick up the phone and call somebody. And in the in in our case. If you're filling out the application and you run into problems, you can call us up and we will walk you through that. You know, we have real live people in the company. But in terms of do we have too many bankers? I think the way I would answer that question would be, I believe farmers need more options for uh, for financing and, and landowners, too. And um, I think Tillable is, is providing uh, another avenue uh, for uh, farmers and landowners uh, to borrow money to buy a farm. So uh, naturally, I mean, look, 
20 years ago, did you think that you would be able to go onto the internet and order a new pair of socks and they would be here this afternoon? No. I mean, that, that seemed like science fiction, right? Did we think that you would be able to, you know, download and watch movies on your phone? No, it seemed like science fiction or do two way yeah. even zoom, a zoom call, right? That seemed like science fiction, right? But um, the, the world is getting digitized and, and, Finance specifically, look at look at how sophisticated uh, lending is on the residential side. Yeah. So I think it's really all we're trying to do is bring the same tools and technology to bear for the farm land market and for the farm market as a whole. That uh, you know the residential markets have the commercial markets the the consumer. Well, I mean, this started this started. A long while ago on homes, I mean, I'm going to say, what was it called? Countrywide, uh, Lending Tree. These places, hell, before the internet was what it is, it was like a 1-800 number. You called them up and said, I've got, uh, you know, eight grand for down payment. I want to buy that. Boom. So I agree with you that there's, again, we're, we're sort of, um, we're sort of going with what I think is inevitable. What else is, what's next? What is Tillable going to be doing one year? What, up, what, what Apple card are you going to upset two years from now, Corbett? Well, I don't know if I can give away all of our secrets, uh, but Will you promise me you're going to upset some Apple cards. I, it, it's almost inevitable, right? <laughs> it's, it's pretty much an inevitable. We're going to upset somebody, but um, you know, obviously on the on the brokerage side and on the farm transaction side, I think there's a lot of opportunities to uh, digitize that entire process. It's still to close on a farm. Uh, it's uh, it, it takes too long, in my opinion. So I think they're, you know, both the lending part takes too long, but actually the closing part. So a little bit of foreshadowing there. And then on the on the lending side, uh, we're, we're not going to just stop with farm loans. I mean, you can you can expect that other types of uh, financing uh We'll start rolling that out for uh, for farmers as well. And, and, I, and I appreciate that. But remember, I can get money a lot of places. I'm not being arrogant, but, you, you know, you get to a certain level. I hope to God at age 52, I'm finally there where there's people that want to loan me money because I'm probably presumably a good credit risk. It, you know, if I wanted to buy a tractor uh, from Kubota to Case to John Deere, they have credit. If I was wanted to buy my own seed, which I don't, my farmer buys the seed, the seed company will extend me credit. Uh, buy a new truck, they'll extend you credit. Uh, then there's all the ag lenders and et cetera, it's not an uncrowded marketplace that you're entering. Um, there's a lot of folks out there ex- attempting to extend credit or make loans. The part that's not uh, well-occupied today, uh, Damien, is the digital first area and, and making it so quick. So as far as I know, we are the first, you know, all digital application for farm loans. Uh, so your, your, val- your value proposition is that you're all digital and you're fast. All digital, fast and competitive. So, uh, and, and that's where, you know, cheaper, better, lighter, faster, you know, just trying to improve that so that, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, People look back at 2021 and say, man, I can't believe that I used to borrow money that way. And here's the thing I always think about. Farmers need two things to be successful. They need land and they need money. So I, I think with what we're building at Tillable, the, the farm management platform, the brokerage platform, it's checking the box on the land side. 
And then on the money side, we're trying to digitize it and just give uh, give growers uh, better access to capital uh, and uh, more options. And if they choose to still go to their local bank, well, you know, that's great. You know, a lot of those relationships have been there for decades. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's face it. You're, you're, you've got a different proposition here, Corbett, in that there's this reality that um, you talked about, what, you know, 20 years ago versus today. There's, I'm one of them. I don't like the idea of buying stuff on Amazon, but my wife, when we were talking, people probably, if they're watching, saw me looking out my office window, the damn truck pulls in and dropped off something that Lori bought online. And we were not big, we still aren't big online buyers. I try to support, you know, and I certainly try not to go through the evil empire of Amazon, but but there's that resistance or reluctance is going to change with years. And that's where you're, you're sitting, you, you know, your, your position and you won't tell me what, what apple carts you're going to upset in the next one or 10 years, but you've got some thing, things up your sleeve. Um, are you making money? Uh, no, no, we're, we're not profitable today. You've been at it for four years. You're expanding um, number of employees. Uh, we've got about 20 people on the team today, 20 people on the team. Um, 21 going to be 50% bigger than 2020, 10% bigger than 2020? Uh, you know, I would say, uh, uh, well, more than double year over year. Good deal for you. You won't tell me what's next. What's your big, bold prediction? What do you see happening in agriculture the next couple of years that some people maybe is not on their radar? That's a good, good question. I can give you several of my. I can give you several of mine just to while you're pondering it. Uh, first off, I think fake meat is a bunch of shit. It's not really going to go anywhere because it's a bad product and it uh, sought to it sought to alleviate something that most people really aren't that concerned about. Either animal uh, treatment, as much as we hear about that from the activist groups, the truth is most consumers don't really believe that animals are being mistreated. They've got a proposition on environmentalism, and I think it's pretty easily poked a hole in. You still have to use an agricultural product like pea protein, and then you're going to stick some palm oil that's grown in Indonesia with one of the worst environmental records of any country on earth and transport it over here on a ship that we hope isn't just sitting out in the ocean. So I can go through all the problems with that. I'll give you other things. I see increasingly, see increasingly uh, the farm sector moves into two things, commodity or niche. And I mean, it's going to have a bigger chasm between uh, those two than it does. The people that are tillable customers are generally going to be large scale commodity type producers. And then there's the person that wants three acres of arugula. Um, I think that we're going to farm programs continue to prop up uh, smaller, less efficient farmers. Nobody likes to hear that, but that's the truth. Uh, When they say, oh, those mega farms are getting all that money. I say the truth is uh, they get capped out pretty quickly um, uh, because of their, of their gross income. Those are some of my big predictions. And I just gave you mine, Corbett. Give me some of yours. Well, so first of all, yeah. So first of all, on the meat side, I'm there with you. Uh, I, I think uh, people think this fake meat stuff just kind of poof comes out of thin air. It's all going to be based on some agricultural product anyway. And if you like meat, eat meat. Don't yeah. eat meat, right? I mean, I don't, I, I'd rather have a good steak than a fake steak. So um, you know, I, uh, I'm probably a little bit biased, uh, just because of, uh, what I've seen and, and friends and stuff in the industry. But, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, we haven't even begun to see what automation and, uh, autonomous equipment, uh, will do, uh, you know, first of all, to improve the quality of life, uh, for farmers completely up and down the stack, right. Where, 
you know, if you take um, people always think about, oh, you know, it's just it's the big guys that could benefit from that. You know, there's a lot of small farmers out there. They have trouble getting help. Right. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to really you can't. It's really hard to just like completely farm by yourself. Right. So yeah. la- labor's a problem, you know, even for a small farmer. Especially when you only need it seasonally. Uh, you know, you're saying, yeah. So you're talking about autonomous. If you can get some way to make it so that, yeah, the person that farms 800 acres still needs extra hands for about four weeks in spring, four weeks in the fall. Uh, the smaller livestock operators still can't take a vacation because who the hell's there? You know, so I, I agree with you. So I think automation's coming. I, so I agree with you on that. Is Tillable going to be a part of that? Am I going to go online to Tillable and rent a robot? No, no, I don't think I don't think that'll be happening anytime soon. Uh, I, but it, you asked me what my predictions are uh, for the future. You know, the other thing related to the lending side, I, I think we're going to see a great deal of uh, innovation on um, on financing or fintech uh, for farmers. Um, and, and you know, here's one thing that's really interesting that I think a lot of people don't like really realize a lot of innovation in, in the markets have become, have, has come out of hedging right around commodities. Uh, and that, and that happened, uh, you know, largely for the benefit of uh, growers being able to manage risk and stuff. So I think there's uh, I think you're going to see a great deal of innovation over the next five to 10 years on the FinTech side of, uh, of farming. It's, um, it's, it's very, very important, you know, for the farmers, you know, managing risk, yep. uh, huge, huge deal. And then access to capital uh, and, um, and and being able to, uh, you know, kind of shop around for different kinds of rates on things. I, you know, if you look at what's happened in, uh, in banking in small town America, it's a shadow of its former self. So that's, that's going to create opportunities for people to get back into finance uh, and agriculture. So again, that's a little bit self-serving because we're going into financing, but uh, I, I think that's uh, going to be a huge area of innovation. No, I, I agree with you. And yes, you're, you're predicting, you're predicting your own, uh, your own future uh, success because of what you went to, but you know what, uh, what skate to where the puck's going to be, not to where the puck is uh, kind of a thing. So I, I don't disagree with you. Um, if you want to learn more, hear more from this guy, if you want to learn more about Tillable, what uh, Corbett, what do they do? Well, you can give me a phone call. Uh, um, you can call up the company and they'll, they'll get you routed over to me. And or you can go, tillable.com. go to, to tillable.com. Uh, if you're interested in our financing product, you can go to tillable.com slash financing and learn about our loan products. One of the things for your listeners that I would recommend, if you own a farm, just go into Tillable and claim your farm. And by claiming it, you'll get interesting information around the soil quality of the farm, uh, county average rents, how many farmers we have in the 30 mile radius around your farm. So I would just, I would really encourage people go on to Tillable. It's super easy. Doesn't matter what state you're in. We've got tax parcel data for all 50 states. Yes, even Hawaii. Go on, claim a farm. Uh, and then if you really want to uh, talk to me, you know, call the company up, uh, drop me an email. Uh, I'd love to hear from your listeners. And uh, I'm going to go on tillable.com and claim my farm. And which really means then that you're going to be tracking me, right? I mean, you're going to be snooping on me and you're going to know everything. I mean, basically the satellite now is on my head. Is that what I'm hearing? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm personally going to call you up and try to say. <laughs> so really what you're doing is you're just making access to information, like you said, county averages, things like that, based on uh, the information that's out there. Then you get that from USDA or whatever tax records. Yeah, you can you can get a lot of the data from other places, but it's uh, it can be difficult to access. Have you ever tried to use the USDA website? And the, <laughs> I, I mean, gosh, it can be kind of difficult or even... Yeah. You know, Purdue, Illinois, Iowa State, they all have great websites, but it can be kind of hard to find data. We're, we're trying to give access to that information uh, to, to just make it easier to access and, and uh, hopefully solve problems for landowners and farmers. I like it. His name's Corbett Cool. That's K-U-L-L, but it says uh, spelled like C-O-O-L. Um, and uh, you can find him at Tillable. Thanks a lot for being on here. Damien and I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, you know what? We kept it interesting, and and what the hell, you know? Uh, come and do it again maybe in a couple of years when you get your next thing coming out. His name is Corbett Cool. My name is Damian Mace. Until next time, it's the business of agriculture. This episode of The Business of Agriculture was brought to you by Land Trust. Landowners just like you are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use. Millions of recreators actively seek wide-open spaces for birdwatching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Owners of farm and ranch properties are partnering with recreation access network Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit LandTrust.com BOA, as in Business of Agriculture, to learn more. That's landtrust.com slash B-O-A.